Welcome to Start Worrying Details to Follow, the podcast about democracy and technology. My name is Georg Tietz. I'm Karin Pettersson. And this week we met with Katrin Marsal. A friend of yours. A very good friend of mine, a, a former um, colleague of mine at Aftonbladet. She is an author, a journalist, and I would say one of the uh, great thinkers of uh, her generation. She wrote this really fascinating book about uh, or about economics in general, but, but specifically uh, the title is uh, Who Cooked Adam Smith's Dinner? And the fascinating take um, I found was the question why the man who said that this is only the free market is free. And, Adam uh, Smith. Adam Smith. Uh, depended on his mother to provide the uh, surrounding conditions mm. to be able to do this work, which is a metaphor for everything that's wrong with this clear understanding of the market as um, an abstract and, and, and uh, rational force. Yeah, she brings back, uh, I mean, it's a feminist critique of uh, Economic Man, but it's, it also tries to bring in relationships, um, um, I guess, love, the body, households, uh, caring for others into economics, really. And it's, uh, it's a very, very smart and uh, great book. So we talked about that, but we also talked about this moment in politics and how gender plays a role in uh, um, the political crisis of the now. Yeah, it was really a wonderful conversation about more or less what makes men or women who they are so yeah. and, and economics as a science really of relations and and um, a more a richer and deeper understanding of of economics but also of how the world works and I, I love that so I uh, enjoyed this conversation with uh, us and uh, Katrin Marsal and if you like the podcast as always Rank it. Rank rate it, it. Rate it on iTunes or on Acast or wherever you listen to it. And, uh, and follow us. Follow us. On Twitter. Or Hashtag details to follow. Or on Facebook. Yes. Okay. Enjoy. Welcome, Katrine Massal, to the podcast. Thank um, you. Thanks for coming. Um, you uh, wrote this fascinating book, I think a very timely book, to combine thinking about capitalism, combine thinking about society, combine thinking about feminism, uh, in, into one very catchy phrase, which is kind of um, curious and beautiful in a way, um, and opens up a very uh, different view on, on economics. Uh, the question is... What is the phrase, George? What the phrase is? <laughs> Thank <coming>. you, George. <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> is this another man's planning thing here? Um, I'm talking too much, I know. Um, who cooked Adam Smith's dinner? That's the title of my book. That's Correct. The of, yes. That's the title of your book. Um, I got it right. Um, so the English title. The English title of the book. The German title is Machonomics. Machonomics, yes, which is a good title as well. Which is a very strong title, yeah. Yeah. So if, my my German pub title. publisher C H Beck, they argued that nobody in Germany knows who Adam Smith is. So depressing. So true. <laughs> yeah. True they just uh, yeah they don't uh, they flatter themselves in being still uh, not a neoliberal country. So they just uh, it's more. If you want to be a ne neoliberal country, you need to know who Adam Smith is. But message is, uh, but, to all our journalists. So maybe it's a good thing that they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe more, uh, and he was a liberal, he was not a neoliberal. Yeah. Let's but is, but is, is the, Fair enough. Is the, the Adam Smith uh, that we... I mean, we, it's, a very, it's a feminist take on how economics works, so if, um, to, 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 to explain that, um, that part. Um, but, but is the Adam Smith... I'm always curious, is the Adam Smith 
that is quoted, the Adam Smith that's, uh, who, who, who wrote this text, so is, is the thinking about the individual as being somehow a radical entity of society, is that the Adam Smith that you found when you went back to the dinner table, to the of, to, to, to Adam Smith who, who lived his life? What's, what's the contradiction in, in, in that? Or what's the contradiction in living with the person who cooked his dinner? So <laughs> how, and, how, and who was that person? Uh, his mother. Ah, don't don't spoil it for the. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think what, what you mean is is if I <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Tell it, me when we talk about Adam Smith as this symbol for a certain type of standard economic theory that's sort of very strongly associated with neoliberal economic policy, is that really fair to Adam Smith? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think. Probably not. Um, probably, who cares? Probably not. Uh, I mean, so so the idea of the invisible hand, which is yeah. you know in, in economics or even in school when you um, study economics, that that's like the first thing they bring up: the idea of the invisible hand of the market who sorts everything out magically. But and and that is credited to Adam Smith. However, he only mentions that phrase once in *The Wealth of Nations*, and *The Wealth of Nations* is a very thick book. So. Um, but um, so it's more kind of the economists that have come after Adam Smith that have chosen what to emphasize in his work. So, I mean, so who cooked Adam Smith's dinner? That is partly stolen from Adam Smith because the founding question of economic science is, is the question, how do you get your dinner, which Adam Smith asks in The Wealth of Nations. Which is your sort of, I mean, that's a very bold statement. That that's, I mean, I love the statement, but, the, but it, would you say that's the foundational question of economics? Yes. How do you get your dinner yes, because on the table? Maybe you should... So yes. It sounds like it's a, it's a, everybody agrees on, on Yeah, everybody on that, agrees, uh, and you should know about this. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, um, not exactly. No, so he... Because... But maybe you can explain that. Why, why that's why, a founding question of yeah. economics. Yes, because in The Wealth of Nations, he is interested in kind of discovering what... Newton discovered in physics uh, a few years before, um, which was sort of gravity, the force that kept everything together and kept the planets moving, etc. And he was looking for, you know, a similar explanation of society. What's the sort of the one fundamental force that makes everything work? And he asked the questions, how, the question, how do you get your dinner? Because we take it for granted that we can go to the shop and there will be groceries to buy there and people who work there and it will all work. However, for all of this to work, the market economy, um, very, very complex economic processes need to take place in a coordinated manner. So why does it work? What is the sort of force that makes people get up in the morning and do what they do? And so the very famous answer, which is probably the most famous quote from Adam Smith, is the answer to this question, how do you get your dinner? And he writes, it's not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer or the baker that you get your dinner, but from them serving their own self-interest. So self-interest is the answer to how we get our dinner. It's the reason why people do what they do in the economy. And it's what makes sort of capitalism or the market economy and everything work. And and from this, you know, economic science was in many ways built and uh, it has even been called the science of self-interest. And to think like an economist when we when we say that phrase, we often mean sort of looking at a situation and trying to sort of analyze it as if people were acting <coughs> out of self-interest and and you know, look at it from from that perspective. 
And of course, this has been heavily criticized because, you know, the whole greed is good theory that if you just let self-interest rule, everything will work. You don't need to regulate financial markets. Bubbles are not possible. Human beings are rational, etc. Heavily criticized before the financial crisis and certainly after the financial crisis. But I take a feminist angle on the whole thing and try to take the question, how do you get your dinner seriously? And if you do that and you look at Adam Smith's life, the founding father of economics lived most of his life with his mother, who looked after him and looked after the household. And she probably had quite a lot to do with how he got his dinner. So did she do this out of self-interest? Maybe a little bit. She was a widow in Scotland. There were not sort of massive amounts of economic opportunity for for widows in those days. Uh, but it's fair to assume that she also did this for other reasons. You know, she cared for him. She loved him. She worried about him. All these other reasons why sort of we do what we do, relationships, emotions, you know, um, uh, feelings of obligation, etc., and things that are very, very important for any economy, market economy or whatever type, to work, but that economic science has not been taken seriously. But, but so your book, um, I mean, one could uh, talk about what is for dinner and, and who's cook. So how do you decide if you invite people for dinner? So that's, you could, you could, from that question, you could have a, a specific kind of philosophy of a small community or, or all that so if you could, you could have, have, have that line of thinking but but somehow would be maybe a little anecdotal but so the, the bigger questions that, the, that you raise in your in your book uh, is really about the fundamentals of how to build um, on the one hand a society with capitalism so if, and, and and how do you what's the view of what's the anthropological how, how do you view man in, 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 in the overarching sense so uh, or man and women why? Why is that um, determined that sort of your point is man is rational, woman is uh, sentiment, uh, um, man is striving, woman is, isn't that? And that goes back to those fundamental economic questions. So that is, for me, uh, the, was, was a very moving and very sort of convincing take on, on any political question that, that you can raise today about how society works or should work. And, and your book is very much about how it should work. It's a very... Um, um, optimistic critique, actually, about uh, uh, that's what I like. Well, I try to, thank you. Yeah, because it's it's very clear that there's another path mm. to do things. Yeah, sort of looking without revolution, basically. Well, maybe with a revolution. Well, depends on how you define revolution. No, but it's, it's sort of it's about the exclusion of women's work from economics, because when Adam Smith forgot about his mother. Uh, he forgot about the and work. His lover. His lover. Yeah, the cousin. I, I don't the, go into uh, that in the yeah, book. No, yeah. it's not that kind of book, George. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's in there. That's a, that's a sequel. Adam Smith, who is Adam Smith's cousin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. Um, no, but uh, it's the ex you know when he forgot about his mother, he also forgot about the work of women in the economy because sort of all the type of work that, you know, economic science deems to be not proper work or not real work or not of economic value tended to be the work that was, you know, women were expected to do, the work around the home, the children, etc., etc. And that, of course, you know, that's that stays with us in GDP measurements, for example, you know, um, 
housework is is not counted, which is a very big problem when you look at the economies of many, especially many developing nations, where this sector can be 10, 15 percent. And and you tell, you know, girls in developing countries who go 11 kilometers every morning to fetch water and then work in the village all day that what they're doing is not of any economic value. It's not visible in economic statistics. It doesn't matter, um, etc. That's still the case. And what my book is a lot about is sort of looking at sort of what are the values that we have actually excluded from the market economy and excluded from economic theory and gone to great lengths in doing this and how do we bring them back in? Yeah, because we talked about this earlier, but uh, it's also a question then, uh, because the comparison with the gravity is interesting because gravity is something that comes without you know, values or interests or uh, it's just it's just there. And uh, on the other hand, then uh, Adam Smith talked about self-interest. And that is, of course, uh, something that comes with. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a human behavior. It's something it's not a given. Uh, it's one out of many complex uh, emotions and uh, incentives or um, behaviors that uh, human beings um, are engage in every day, but this is this specific behavior is the one that we built our economic theory around. So then, it, this discussion is then also about um, about ethics and what kind of values we bring in. Not only what kind of labor, what, but what kind of values we bring in and we build our societies upon. Or would you agree? Absolutely, and I think that's is, you know half the task is to actually expose or look at sort of the current narrative of of economics and capitalism which obviously poses at something objective Mm. and given Mm. and scientific because you know they use nice equations which Karin is Karin's good at those no 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 (laughs) not at all used to be yeah long time ago um so it poses as something objective but there's a narrative in there and sort of what I was interested in in sort of was um talking about that and I you know I talk about it as a specific kind of moral story and also as a very male story yeah but um so I I think if you would ask uh, economists today they would say that they have become uh, the science then and you can argue if you should call it a science at all but uh, the science of economics has become much better in uh, incorporating other perspectives psychology behavioral economics is a huge thing and also um, now, right now, there's this feminist revolution kind of sweeping through uh, economics. Fucking finally, uh, uh, and the feminist critique. So, like a number of years after <laughs> after your book, but um, would you? And but I'm also interested in. So I think I, I wonder if you agree with agree with this statement that today it's not as much the economics uh, economists themselves as the political interpretation of. Uh, of these pretty simple, this pretty simple view of neoliberalism or uh, the invisible hand or uh, the standard eco- economic theory that is the problem? Or Yes, I, I do think there's a lot of truth in that. I think politics is lagging behind. Which why is, is that? I think that's probably that's natural, my big, isn't that's it? My big, that's my big question. We've been talking about this for 10 years now, also since the financial oh, crisis, know, you know, the crisis of capitalism and... Why is it? Why aren't the chickens? Well, you gotta, you gotta give the politicians. <laughs> you gotta give the politicians. Which politi- chickens? Uh, yeah. Dinner? What's yes. for dinner? Yeah, what's for dinner? Chicken. Cooking my dinner. I don't know. Um, it's going to slaughter It's about gross yeah. anyway. <laughs> I think you need to give the politicians a break because, um, I mean, 
So you have the I need to I, give the politicians a break. Yeah, give them a break. <laughs> no, I'm going to defend them. Um, okay. No, but I think you know it's you not allowed actually here. Not on our podcast. No, you can say fuck as long as you want, but, <laughs> but you can't. I can't no. defend politicians. No, no, you no, can't. So of you, course you can. Um, Go ahead. That's the anti-populist thing to do is to defend politicians, yes. isn't it? Oh, oh that's yeah. the system striking yeah. back. No, yeah. <laughs> system, <laughs> the center. Um, no, but I think you know. They've had the IMF and the World Bank and the American <laughs> Ministry of Finance go around preaching these ideas for decades. Yeah. And uh, in, in many countries, sort of just forcing them through with very you know, terrible human costs. Um, and then after the financial crisis, suddenly the IMF just changes its mind. Yeah, and the OECD. And, and the OECD and everyone. Mm. And, well, that's good. Mm. But, um, you know, that's sort of... 25, 30 years before that. But do you think that. that that will affect, because if you look at politics, it's so polarized and it, in, in many times it's not even about economics anymore. It's about identity and I don't know, what have you, um, racism and nativism and all these other. So, do, But do you think that uh, politicians will catch up eventually and, do, and our economic systems will change and that we will start measuring GDP differently and... Uh, I think in many ways, I mean, not look for profit, not profit maximizing. I mean, it just doesn't seem to be happening right now. No, but I mean, if some people that are in some ways, a person that is in some way doing this, not that I support him, but would be somebody like Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Because he, so the critique. The well, no, if you look at this. I mean, no, look the at the, the, in, plan, the, the rhetoric. I mean, the rhetoric. The yeah, rhetoric. But, yeah, but not the actual politics. Not the actual politics, that is true. Because maybe the institutions are still captured by this. Or what would you say? Well, I would say that politics is captured by um, corporate interests. Yes. And uh, that there is no, you know, strong counterforce to that anymore. That it's kind of, it's running amok. Mm. And. We can see uh, Oxfam just came out with a report about um, inequality. Um, uh, Forty-six people own as, uh, has uh, as much capital as you know the bottom half in the world. So it just doesn't seem to. Mm. Um, even if people, I, I I think that the economic mainstream now much more agrees with 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 you than they did when uh, my book came out. When your book came out. <laughs> But I just I wonder how we should tr- tr- how that can translate into actual politics when it w- if po- if politics uh, then is captured by, by corporate interests. Isn't, isn't the interesting part in that sense that in the book it also plays back. So if you you can say this is the consequence of uh, chauvinistic view on on women and, and, and human nature and, and and excluding half of the population not only from the workforce or from from determining how we want to live but but sort of um feeding off their work and building something that seems to work capitalism on the shadow uh reality so but you can also play back so if you want to look at it for a place how to change this uh, uh fucked up system mm. so you have different options you have the social democratic way of of <laughs> Um, ameliorating uh, the contradictions. You have uh, bloody revolution, or you have, uh, yeah, killing hundreds of thousands of people, or you can change. So the way that people view themselves or, or see who's who's sitting at the table. Yeah, but do you see that happening? I, I see that as possibly uh, an, the only way, maybe, yeah. or the best way. Mm-hmm. So if I don't, and that's. 
I mean, maybe Katrina can. Yeah, I think I think those things. <laughs> I think those. <laughs> I, I think those things are connected, aren't they? Sort of, you know, can you change the world before you change yourself? And you know, there's a lot of West and East going on there, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cultural ideas about. You're losing me now. What? <laughs> I told you she was meditating. I told you. Uh, yeah. Okay. But so you know, to, you I, know what I mean. I have to start with myself. <laughs> you, well, some, somebody might say that. You know. Uh-huh. Um, uh, <laughs> That, that those things are connected. Uh, I mean, also, I, th- I think, you know, the feminist revolution certainly yes. is. It's sort of, For you sure. know, w- women suddenly sort of thinking about their value in a different way and then going out and demanding sort of political action and what, what comes first. I think mm. I think those things are connected. I think in many other revolutions, um, that, that's the case as well. Um, but no, I, I mean, politicians that have incorporated this sort of critique of, of uh, neoliberalism, I mean, in some ways, the populist surge, okay, I definitely agree with you about, you write about Donald Trump and the actual policies being being the same ones as, yeah. you know, any, uh, any Republican. Or any Republican. But, but there is something in the populist surge that certainly is like a value-based critique of the values of globalization, mm. a globalization that has been portrayed as this force of nature that nobody could change, nobody could do anything about. It was just sort of about getting on the train, um, lowering taxes and investing in human capital, etc., etc., etc. And the populists are actually coming with a value-based critique of that. So they are, in some sense, doing it. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and that is about uh, economics, but it's also, as you say, I mean, it's about others. It's about it's about identity and belonging and the sense of yeah. loss, perhaps. And yeah, and they made clear it's not it's, man, it's man-made. That's so that's the thing. It's not something exactly that, yeah. uh, that has to be. So no, it's not we, gravity. It's not gravity. Yeah. It's, yeah. We we did it. We can yes, do it. Yes, but my question then is coming back to this uh, because your critique is a feminist critique yes. of the economic system and what we see. I mean, this this backlash that we see now again this populist against hyper globalization is uh, if you look at who votes for these um, uh, new authoritarian leaders that's not only not exclusively but it's predominantly men Mm. and there seems to be also a backlash um, against the idea of uh, equality in the workplace of you know women taking uh, being equals in other parts of, of society so do you, do you agree with that? And, yes. And why? Why is that? <laughs> and what should we do about it? <laughs> no, but I, mean, I think so. The main character, to put it that way, in in my book was is sort of Homo economicus or Davos man or yeah. you know economic Davos man, man. <laughs> <laughs> which is um, um, which is this you know this idea of this sort of rational. In some sense, cosmopolitan. Can I just say I saw a tweet that Narendra Modi in Davos this year said that you have to start uh, with yoga and working with yourself. So yeah, yeah. We, we agree with each other. It's the West. Yeah. That's the new Davos man. The, the new Davos man. Yeah. Yes. We can slaughter Muslims. That's fine. Uh, yeah, as long exactly. As, you do lo- as long as you yoga. meditate. Yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt. No, that's that's, that's a good point. Um, meditation is bad. <laughs> yeah, is that is the neoliberal? Yeah. The the neoliberal idea of yeah anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway no so the main character is this sort of Davos man or economic man the, uh, the individual cosmopolitan the idea of human beings as these people these individuals without any belonging to any really person or mm. na- nation or state or the late, gen- gender really just this, this the late the later Tony Blair that the well not the late I mean like I know the, it's ol- the, the cooperating with oligarchs yes, Tony Blair yes 
that one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in some sense. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, when he really joined the global elite. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, no, that, that kind of person. Um, and and the, how we sort of portray that as an ideal in, in our society, etc. And, and when I wrote the book, I think he was pretty much unchallenged. Mm. And now, obviously, he is very much challenged, mm. not, unfortunately, by feminists like me yeah but but by these populists that are sort of you know shouting at him and mm. you know and as you're saying exposing him for not being like uh, a natural sort of succession of the next stage of you know what we all need to sort of develop into but mm. but a very sort of particular political story with very clear losers and winners and that sort of critique is coming from from the populists and no I did not see that coming when I was when I was writing it but then there's a new... So if he... So a, a big point in my book is that this kind of homo economic is, is a man because all the kind of values that... All the traits that we exclude in economics from the model of, you know, what human beings are mm. are the same traits that have been sort of associated with women. So uh, emotions, care, mm. altruism, the body, relationships, all of that excluded. They don't deal with that in Davos. Um, <laughs> Um, and, you know, what I wanted was, of course, to sort of bring all of those things back in to capitalism. And that was sort of the, the way to kind of really balance it again. Um, however, I think there's a new kind of homo, I don't know what we're going to call him, homo, homo, homo Trump, homo, <laughs> homo populist or mm-hmm. something like that, which mm-hmm. is is also a very male, like the populist, like yeah. the figure of the populist is the, the this angry Man, and they also have sort of an idea. It's a masculine, another masculine idea. It's more they, masculine in, in a way than homo economicus. Well, masculine in a different way. Yeah, more traditionally. Traditional. Lives we are wild. Katrina is Do you challenging want to say something? The, no, the notion. <laughs> <laughs> um, traditional. I mean, so that is itself a construction. So the traditional that that's you dismantle yeah. that. So that you say, um, men are. Like no, I'm just, I'm just saying that I think that lonely, Trump, I mean, in his misogyny and uh, these strong male authoritarian leaders, that they are obviously tapping into something. Uh, it's a different type of masculinity. It's a different yeah. type of masculinity. I mean, we have it in our history. It's not a new thing. It's it's an old, it's a very old story that people recognize and can, you know, easily uh, tell themselves that that's um, something that we might need in a time of crisis or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I would like to ask so far about this moment that we're in. I mean, it's, it's a populist moment, but but maybe it's more so, and how, how that might be connected. Uh, uh, m- maybe somehow something like um, we're actually we're hosts here. Uh, the club, club. Yeah, we have to maybe explain. The it's bell a very uh, old-fashioned place that we're meeting. And yeah, they, we're they in England, have, George. Yeah, <laughs> they still have clocks. Um, uh, this is a modern and new place with yeah, standards. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they have. So, Central heating. They have central heating, exactly. They <laughs> yeah, have central heating. And they have uh, sushi across the, the street, but yeah. it's still uh, old-fashioned. So about this, the, the moment. So from the cr- reckoning, the moment of reckoning in 2008, nothing being done, to the populist revolt, to Me Too, maybe that is also part of, of, of the yeah, question. Yeah, that's so interesting. What is, what is what Karen said, so what um, 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 are, are, what, what kinds of... What I'm trying um, to say. No, no. What, what you what you talked about, sort of, and on the other podcast, sort of, are women sort of 
threatening man in the workplace yeah. um, um, is, is capitalism in its l late stage is it already somehow is, is it a death sort of struggle that we witness is that populism is, is me too uh, yeah connected to that what what is this moment in your in your view um, yeah no I think I think me me too and is is very interesting I, I think it's very interesting that sort of the first big protest against Donald Trump was mm. sort of under the heading of feminism we, yeah. because you know we feminists are not exactly famous for being good at uniting <laughs> um, do you mean the women's march or do you mean the, the women's march yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. women's march uh, which you know I, I see as sort of connected to the whole Me Too movement but and the women's march which sort of then created this global movement that we didn't think existed which was very you know disparate and with lots of you know different things in it and still kind of united under this banner so yeah. I think that was a very interesting interesting moment um, why that was I, I'm not sure Botox Cosmetic out of botulinum toxin A FDA approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Actually, uh, I think this, this is book. I can't remember the the uh, name of the author which is called Why Men Rebel it's I think it's from the 70s mm -hmm. and he looked at he's a sociologist and he looked at revolutions and sort of what made a group sort of stand up and demand um, change and basically as I remember it it all boils down to sort of that men well mm -hmm. uh, he uses that word uh, rebel when sort of this too much difference between But what... But he doesn't mean man, or does he mean man? Well, he, well he, when you say men, you mean all of humanity. Yeah, that's the thing yeah. with patriarchy, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how yeah, it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Um, that's how it used to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but um, we stand up and demand sort of um, change when there's too, too big of a difference between what we have and what we think we deserve. And that's kind of the crucial thing. Yeah. Um, and I think there's probably a, a large group of sort of white middle class women in the West who have for a long time not really felt our rights threatened in a sense, right? We've yeah. sort of benefited enormously from... And there's the been progress for there's that progress particular group. For that particular group. And I think suddenly that group felt that actually this yeah. can be taken away. And because there's been progress for this group, we have, because I, I, you know, I, I think I'm part of this group, have sort of gotten used to actually you know, think that we deserve what we have. We deserve being treated as human beings. Mm. And suddenly there's this you know, guy with guinea pig hair in the White House who doesn't seem to you know see women as, as human beings in the same sense and you know something we think we deserve is threatened and that's when men <laughs> or women rebel and i think that that might be part of the explanation yeah this is as good of an answer as i can give at no, this moment I, i think that's true but i think because i think it also explains uh in partly at least the difference in the impact of the me too uh movement so i'm, I'm thinking about sweden where I think it's the country um, where it has had the biggest impact. Yes. 
And I think it, it, it's because the expectation, exactly expectations of women, even though it's not a an equal society and, and all of that, blah, blah, blah. But the expectations are, are high. Yes. And the idea of equality is so well established that uh, when it's challenged or... You don't expect to be grabbed by the pussy. No, you don't expect to be grabbed by the pussy. And you don't expect... I mean, you, you can, I think, accept that progress is slow, but mm. you don't accept that things move backwards. No, like exactly. Back. So I think that's that's true. But so, I mean, it's a really a Hegelian thing. Which, I mean, it's like this pendulum movement now I mean if you see Trump as the uh, comeback of the of, of, of men, the, a group of men who don't think who think that they get less than they deserve mm-hmm. or than they would expect in your mm-hmm. way of reasoning then you had the backlash against the women who felt threatened by mm-hmm. that exact movement and who which then is the next group I think the big opportunity is to sort of you try to actually not look at it like that. Uh-huh. I, think, I, think, I think that's probably, it can be like that. Yeah. But, but if you want change... But you don't you think it's, I mean, don't you think it's, uh, it's, don't you think that that's what happened? Yeah, yes, I do think that's happened. But I think the political opportunity yeah. lies uh-huh. in sort of, you know, thinking of... Yes, the, you know, what, what, what can we learn from the populist sort mm. of critique of globalization? Because yeah. there is stuff there to sort of to learn from and to kind of take in and, you know, create policy from um, and not make it make it be this kind of backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards movement, because that that's not very good for society or Don't humanity. Society needs conflict to move ahead. And uh, I mean, not revolution, but at least friction. Yeah, I think you absolutely need friction. Mm. But I think progress is made by, you know, actually looking at what's what's reasonable here. How can we sort of take the things seriously that need to be taken seriously mm. in what these people are saying? Because, mm. you know, we live in a democracy and populists are representing a very, very, very big group in most Western and European societies. And we can't just, you know, exclu- exclude their voters in that sense um, and I think in the same way with sort of yes this this sort of Me Too movement is is primarily led by I think feminine, it's a very interesting feminist moment at the moment and I, I think a lot about it and I don't think I I can kind of I have any conclusions about it but I think it's interesting it's, it's, it's very celebrity driven it's very, I mean if you read fashion magazines mm. today, they're, mm. they're basically feminist magazines yeah. which you know when I was reading more fashion magazines than I do today when I was younger. That was certainly not the case. It's very celebrity-driven, social media-driven, and it's commercial. Th- commercial, mm. exactly, mm. and um, and in many ways, by you know the the very vocal voices of this are sort of tend to be rather privileged women. But I think this moment of women who have not felt their personal rights been threatened for a long time actually feeling threatened creates an opportunity for that group to emphasize empathize with people who always feel the right so what what struck me about your book was that that you um, introduced the, the body the female body sort of specifically into the thinking about economics or society and um, what Karen says so of that or, or what you maybe sort of would agree with so that that there is this sentiment this feeling that we had achieve that we come so far and we have sort of changed the structure of society, which is another liberal maybe self delusion like this Davosian sort of universe that we lived in. So that, that that things 
we're moving smoothly for most of us. And then comes this moment where it's about the female body, where where that's the place where mm. you can uh, sort of say no. No, didn't, so didn't progress that fucking much. <laughs> no, I mean, so if it's, it's interesting. This is yeah, the, no, the, the, the battleground in yeah, a way. I'm so this is, um, and, and you, you needed that to shatter that myth of mm. we've come so far. Mm. No, so if we, we're hurting. And, and I talked to sort of some of the, 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 the protagonists in Sweden, um, mm. The lawyers, for example, the female lawyers, and they were—they were, it was really interesting how they explained their their this reckoning. So, of what this is still, yeah, this is still how it is. But this wasn't is their argument exactly what Katrina was saying—that they expected they they wouldn't accept to move backwards? Isn't that what you're saying? No. Yeah, there's this uh, huge divide between yeah. uh, where you think you are and where oh, right. the majority... Yeah, yeah. Uh, your expectations. Where, yeah, it's yeah. for expectations, yeah. yeah. And that's so it's exactly what Katrina said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank but you, this mansplain the Me Too movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that going on in the newspapers, isn't there? <laughs> well, I'm just trying to. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but then, I mean, what do we make of... So more and more women are voting for the populists, aren't they? Yes. I mean, and we have, you know, obviously Marine Le Pen, and I think the, in, in the, the Netherlands, right, the PVV was quite a big share of female voters last time around. And also, wasn't it one of the wasn't one of the sort of fallacies of um, liberals to presume that being a woman would be strong enough an affiliation to well, vote against Trump and for mm -hmm. for the other woman? Isn't that somehow? And uh, a naive perspective on politics and economics. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm just saying it's I, as as I said <laughs> 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 to quote myself. I'm just saying it's more men than women who vote for this uh, party still, and especially I think in the beginning w with the if you look at the Sweden Democrats, for example, the first few elections it was almost only men, but then when they are an established force. Uh, political force, and I think this this goes for um, these types of parties in other countries as well. The women uh, yeah. also start vo voting for them, and they become a much more uh, a broader uh, political movements that are not. Um, I mean, men are uh, women are also part of patriarchy. It's not an exclusivity for. It's not a structure that is up uh, uh, that only men uphold. So it's not it's not strange. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. I would, I would, I would like to I ask um, um, where you think that's going. Um, so, uh, current sense sort of on, on the political side, there's this big uh, disappointment, basically, that there is um, not not enough. Um, um, I guess acknowledgement I of what is what yeah. is what is what is being thought, what's happening, what's possible. There's mm -hmm. a lack of any vision of how to change that, and then maybe there is a change in how you, economists view their field. I don't know, but but so what's the trigger for change? Where are you, where is it happening most likely um, in in both economics and and politics? Because we were talking about sort of the fate of liberal democracy or the change of liberal democracy to something that's. That's radically or fundamentally different. Um. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if about that type of change. I mean, I think if we have something we have a lot of in this particular moment in time is change. I think a lot of things are changing yeah. in very many different directions, mm. and that's why it's so hard to pin it down. Yeah. Um, and and you know, both Trump and you know this new feminist wave and 
you know, economists changing their theories, all the things we've been talking about for the last half an hour are sort of part of it. But there's still, there's yet no kind of direction. I mean, of course, there are kind of forces at play underneath all of it. One of them obviously being like kind of the power move from sort of west to east in the in the sort of world economy which you know for example Trump is very much a reaction to and mm. which also you know is, is changing the world in, in many ways and it's sort of it's going on because it has it has already happened in many ways economically and now it's just kind of the political consequences of that um, and, and geopolitical consequences of that so so I think that that's definitely one you know change that you, you can point out that this is going in this direction but then the political conclusions and what people make of it and the, I, I think that it's it's too early to say but I think it's it's a lot of change but is it's, it's the, anything but stagnant yeah but isn't it for example uh, wrong to think that something that looks like it's coming from the past is necessarily from the past I mean it, it could be also the future I mean just that, because that Trump, Trump seems old fashioned exactly uh, that's a good mean, point doesn't mm. mean that he's not sort of the future. The future. Yes, yeah. I mean he's he, he was a lot more modern than Hillary Clinton, right? Yeah. Um, in his media savvy. In, yeah, in, in, yeah, in, sure. his, in yeah. every way. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't look like that to sort of Davos man, because Hillary. Or Clinton. me. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm Davos man. Davos man. I'm Davos man sitting at the table. But I'm I'm coming back to this. Um, I think one. One thing that uh, contributes to my complete confusion uh, with this political moment, this moment or, join or, the club, or, or. yes, <laughs> is the fact. Well, I, w I guess, uh, coming of age politically in the nineties, um, we had this big discussion about globalization and economics. Was it was all about economics? It was all about uh, neoliberalism and the third economic world theories, debt and third world debt free and. Trade. Um, how to tax financial transactions and blah 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 that was like that was the whole thing so if you wanted to understand politics you you had to understand economics so that's where i come from so i always thought that if we if we change and maybe that's i mean that's your project with your book if we change the um understanding of economic theory then politics will come along yeah. and the world will become a better place and will become, you know, mirror uh, what human beings are actually like. I have a different language. I mean, that's also and very now it's, And now books. I so would yeah. say that economic, econom economics is changing slowly, but as we talked about before, politics is really not mirroring where... And economics is not anymore at the centre of the It's debate. not at the centre anymore. It doesn't really matter if the OECD says it's fine to have higher taxes and yeah. equality is good for growth. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because it doesn't change the way policy is made anymore. So because I'm out. <laughs> why is that? Because politicians are in the survival mode? So because like it's all about identity uh, now, isn't it? And sort of the role that economists... I mean, who, who can understand politics today? It's not the economists. It's sort no, of people who do media studies or, I don't know, anthropology. Anthropology, <laughs> perhaps, or, yeah, I, historians, historians, maybe. Historians, yes. Who understand? I don't know, cultural... Uh, Writers. What do you mean it's all about identity? So no, is it's it, not. Is it, is I it think economic. I think economic realities affect people's feelings about identity and culture. I'm not saying that that's not valid anymore. I'm just but saying. But on that the surface, it's about identity. It, yes, it's, on the surface, it's about the identity and the, uh, the discipline of economics is not as influential so in for, forming politics but anymore. But what's lacking Poli in. 
I don't know what's so, lacking. I'm just well, saying, the I'm, emancipatory I'm, potential I'm, I'm of economic thinking. I'm explaining my confusion. Yeah, but so if, if you want emancipation, it's in economics. It's not in identity. I think so if you want change in a, in a positive way for the left, it has to come from from in that field. If so I'm going to mansplain what Karin just said, please, please, finally. <laughs> no, I think I think what Karin is trying to say, yes. or is saying, yes. is that sort of economics is finally changing in the way she wants economics yes. to change. Yes. But economic has has become yes. much less powerful. It's yeah. not powerful anymore. Yeah. But I'm saying to to mansplain myself. Yes. That, um, <laughs> Best kind uh, of mansplaining. <laughs> yeah. That that that's a problem for emancipation for for progressive thinking because that yes. because the essential change. I'm I'm p basically totally agreeing with Karen <laughs> for once yeah. uh, that this is uh, a, a huge problem for politics because um, as you say, economic thinking has evolved in a, in a, in a radical way. Mm. And, and Daniel Roderick and others and Roberto Unger and all these people that we feature and love here in this podcast, they are in, in a different place. Mm. And that is confusing and strange to realize that there is a different thinking happening while there's just reality is rolling on and is reproduced, reproduced yeah, but in a, in a, in a yeah. very mindless way. I think Daniel Roderick is one of the few. I mean, he is connected to this moment and he tries to understand it. And he has uh, some good explanations for it. But most, as you said, Katrina, most economists nowadays, they don't, if you want to uh, try to understand what's happening in the world today, you don't go to uh, the OECD. The OECD. You, don't, you just don't. No. So what's your... How was the, the book received? Uh, so was it sort of a death nail <laughs> no, for your career, or was it sort of no. the starting point? So well, uh, I mean, I think it's, so. It's out in seventeen or eighteen languages, so that's that's good. Yeah, um, huge success, so <laughs> global success. So does it mean you're a name? But you're, you, but did, did you ever want to be a, a, an academic? So no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be hard with this book. I don't think. I mean, I, don't, I, I never wanted to be sort of yeah. in an academia. It's not uh, not my thing. Um, um, no, it's, it's, it's since it's out in quite a few different countries. There's you know, the different reception. It's quite interesting when you go to different countries for the same book. And the even sort of my book tour in England was radically different from my book tour in Scotland. Like the questions you get are completely different, mm -hmm. which probably says something about the you know the United Kingdom as not being that united. But um, it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it differs a lot from from country to country. Um, how you know in, in Spain, obviously they saw it through. You know, the was there back a male backlash again, or or did they? It sort wasn't of, too uh, bad. They, they I mean, it's just engaged. I think it it wasn't too. Of course, some people got very very angry, and um, I mean, I did a lecture here at the London School of Economics uh, with an auditorium of uh, pretty angry male economists. Um, but also, I kind of ended up feeling a bit sorry for them because it's it's like somebody is criticized. That's how it is these days. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yes. It's, 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 somebody was criticizing their sort of favorite teddy bear, which is sort of Homo economicus, <laughs> and trying to take it away from them or telling they them. They just want to be loved, you and know, they just um, they just wanted to hold on to something, yeah. like you know. Me. Yeah, and I was like taking that teddy yeah. bear they were holding on to, and and they were really upset. But going uh, also, I guess. Um, Kind of a personal question, but you uh, you used to write about uh, politics for uh, Aftonbladet's editorial page, um, and then you stopped yes. um, about a year ago, or yes. almost exactly. A year I'm still ago. writing. Yes, you are writing for another newspaper. Uh, I will not mention the <laughs> name. <laughs> no, but you went from uh, being someone with a clear uh, political point of view to yes. someone who does uh, excellent and wonderful, but a different type of journalism. Yes, and. Uh, I I you am tell other people's stories now, and I am myself. What's that? Yeah. What's yeah. This, what's the format? 
No, so I, I do uh, interviews and uh, long, long stories. Yeah. But um, do you think, is it, um, is part of the explanation why you stopped writing about politics is because the world has changed and it's become more, co- is it more difficult now, you think, to have this very clear um, political point of view or to be, to know kind of what to recommend to politicians <laughs> and tell them what to do because that is the job of a, of an editorial writer. Yes. Or, um, yes, yeah. I think it's the answer to your question. Yes, I yeah. do think so. And for me, I think I also felt that I, I didn't understand this, this moment we were in. Um, and then having a job where it is your, your job to every week in a column uh, <laughs> explain to people how the world works and what they should think about it. <laughs> didn't feel right to me anymore mm. and um, I wanted instead to sort of have a job where I went out and you know more sort of old fashioned classic journalism where you go out and interview people and ask people and, and try to understand to ask qu- the questions ask, ask the questions mm. instead of answering them and um, and that has been very fulfilling to me and I, I think I yeah, understand no, a bit more now I understand that but do you think that that is in, in itself a um, symptom of the problems of uh, the left or of social democracy. I mean, that is just very hard today to have a clear point of view because the world has become, because of this, you know, we moved from the left-right um, discussion about how big the state should be and taxes or, you know, uh, investing in the welfare state to a much more complex uh, political landscape where it's all about identity and, and, I don't know, immigration and globalization and all these different axes. Mm. Do you think? Do you think it's a symptom of? Do, do you think your story is a part of a bigger story of the problems of? I don't know social democracy. <laughs> yes, I am responsible for them. All. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> no, that's I not know. what I said. I know that's not what you said. I think, I think it's um, obviously. I think it's healthy to do what I did. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I'm, that's uh, not my question either. No, yeah. um, but but yes. Um, I don't think it's it's harder to have an opinion about things uh, at the moment. I mean, we are surrounded by people having opinions about things. I mean, mm. p- people have never had this many opinions mm-hmm. uh, ever before, um, in some sense. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to understand this moment. I think mm. it's hard to understand what's going on. And I think any political force, whether that being you know the left or you know the centre or the you know the liberals or the right, uh, you know, have to actually you know try to understand the big forces that shape the world at the moment Mm. before they can kind of shape any kind of policy response to it Mm. and i mean you suppose you can compare it to i don't know i mean lots of people are comparing this moment to the 20s or the early 30s etc and and what was what was going on then with both sort of a lot of identity nationalism and also a lot of of change within economic policy making yeah but isn't it even more profound sort of um um and kind of points interesting that somehow it seems mechanical. It, I don't think it's only social democrats' no, no, problems. No, no, so no. It's, it's just that we're it's uh, the political cast. Is, is, page. Yeah, but the political cast somehow be- behaves as if um, that's still how you do business. But, yeah, but, but, that's um, true. And political writers still behave or are even more um, inclined to talk about career moves or potential. Uh, candidates in three years so it's very very small scale the, the view and very uh, or, or very harsh opinions but but it seems like uh, it's it's like a train that's moving somehow really in the wrong direction mm. and, and it's not relevant anymore yeah. and, and that is I think the more unsettling feeling at the moment that, that, that something's going on and obviously the place where a, a society should talk about what's going on 
is is empty. Mm. So, I think podcasts um, are the future, <laughs> the future <laughs> and the present. And then I think another, I mean, shift. I think I mean, speaking about shifts that has happened since I wrote my book, which was not that long ago, which also I know, makes, I know. makes you realize how much has happened. But I mean, when I was writing it <clears throat> five years ago or so. It was um, still very much kind of Wall Street was Wall Street, City of London, sort of, it was like financial capitalism. Mm. It was Wall Street was sort of the center of global capitalism as mm. we viewed it, the narrative and, and also, also physically. But and now in many ways, cap- that has moved to Silicon Valley, right? So yeah. it's sort of, and that's another big shift that is not at all reflected in, in my book because it happened Afterwards, I mean, of course, it was still going on, mm. but sort of it, it really happened. I'm actually writing a book about that. Yes, yeah. you are exactly. <laughs> I'm also um, writing a book about that. Um, <laughs> Maybe Katrina will also write a book about that. No, no, you can't. Uh, no, I can't. No, but um, but that, that's another it would be thing an that, amazing. I mean, if we're talking about you know, Homo economicus and kind of you know yes. Wall Street man, now it's now he's sort of wearing a hoodie, a Silicon Valley bro, Silicon Valley bro, oh, exactly. Yes. That's the, the face of, of capitalism, and yes. just four or five years ago, it wasn't in the same way. Yeah. So now you're talking about monopolies and about um, uh, the attention economy, the attention economy, the attention economy, economy yeah. sort of that's at the centre of, and that's I mean, I suppose you're looking for where the economic discussion is. Mm. It's there, isn't it? Yeah. It's gone from, I mean, the face of Wall Street was always blatant greed. Mm. Just, I want to get money. And But the face of Silicon Valley is more, I mean, it's also o- always greed, but it's all more naivete al- almost. Mm. It's just this uh, sense of entitlement and we can fix super naive uh, idea of the world is a technical problem and we will just get the, the algorithm right we'll fix everything that is a super dangerous or thing. we'll so just so move to Mars yes yeah. which but is also a great or idea. singularity in your <laughs> but also <laughs> one religion computer. replacing another so if you, one faith in yeah. The market replaced by another face. Yeah. In, I think this is more dangerous in a way because the face of greed. I mean, that's also an, an old story, an old narrative, and people recognize it and they can rile against it. But this face of Mark Zuckerberg—that's yeah. so. What I mean, he's a nice guy. Yeah. How can he be dangerous? Yeah, but that's also dangerous have, uh, in itself. But also, you have <laughs> all of a sudden this dystopian visions of that. It's not about earning some earning a lot and others earning a little. But so if you have to beg to work at all because yeah. there are all these machines who do your job so it's a there's another metaphysical shift in the way that that man in the overarching sense of are you a Luddite? Um, uh, <laughs> absolutely not you know <laughs> that uh, <laughs> no but but the interesting part is how yeah yes. but that, that's the progressive question of the next <laughs> yeah. 20 years how do you deal with yes. machines we don't get rid of capitalism we get rid of the workers right and, uh, yeah that's another yeah. answer to Marxist yeah. question isn't it <laughs>